Hashtag Psychotherapy Unfogged with Mark Fielding Hello, uh, welcome to Hashtag Psychotherapy Unfogged. As you know, I'm Mark Fielding, psychotherapist and relationship counsellor and your host. Um, we're yeah I mean as you know we're kind of doing quite a lot of podcasts at the moment which has been great uh, we've got another really really interesting podcast for you today uh, and I'd like to introduce Giovanna Hammond. Um, Giovanna is an accredited mental health social worker who works as a critical incident and trauma counsellor. She extends her work as an Australian independent filmmaker and actress. She has turned her experiences advocating for clients mental health into a full-length feature film and a popular television series. She aims to shine the light on important issues such as bullying, domestic violence, under her film company, Locked In Productions. Giovanna aired series four of her popular television series, The Travel Counselor, broadcast on Channel 31, and her second full-length feature film, The Target, officially opened on Are You OK Day. Um, we'll ask Giovanna you know, a bit about all of these projects during the podcast. She continues to work on movies about mental health whilst working her full-time job as a critical incident counsellor. So thank you very much for coming on, Giovanna. Nice to meet you. You're very welcome. <laughs> nice to meet you too. Yeah. I mean, you bring so much to the table. We'll try and touch on as many things as we can. Um, I mean, I always kind of start off by asking our guests, the personal experiences that led them into the field and obviously you can say as much or as little as, you, as you're happy with about that but yeah sure what sure. led okay. you into the field well um I used to be a preschool educator years ago and then I I became a primary school teacher so effectively my career was a teacher and I got a new job in a primary school and it was in the lower socioeconomic area of of Melbourne in Australia and um I had never, ever come across children who were so reactive and angry and throwing tables across the room yeah. and throwing chairs and you just have to look at them the wrong way for them to, to be yeah. set off. And I remember standing in front of the classroom thinking, why are these children so young and so mad? in the sense of angry. Yeah. I'm like, what, you know, what kind of um, leads them to behave this way? And I had this pivotal moment where I, cause I was a music and drama teacher, but without just unknowingly, I ended up turning my classes into a music and drama um, like therapy session, every session without realizing I was doing it. So this, this one particular day, I decided to group the children off into groups of four and I said okay guys I want you to write a little story just two two paragraphs long then you're going to act it out so half of the group can do the music and the sound effects and the other half of the group can do the acting and they were really excited about doing this project and I said just whatever you do show me the story first because whenever I asked them to do stories I noticed they were doing stories about drug alcohol and sexual activity at such yeah. a young age which yeah. of course is inappropriate in the classroom yeah. so I said let me have a look at your stories first when I approve it then you can go off and do your project yeah. and I had this one young man he came up to me and he and I will never ever as long as I live forget this he said, um, I was walking down the street at 12 o'clock at night. I saw a girl in an alley. I went up to her. I raped her and chopped her head off. 
And I had never heard such a young person speak this way. Remember, I was a teacher. I wasn't a yeah. mental health worker at all yeah. in those days. So it was everything was such a big shock to me. Um, and I was a bit young at the time as well. And I just looked at him and my jaw dropped. I actually didn't even know what to say. Yeah. And he just looked at me and said, it's really funny, Mrs. Hammond, isn't it? It's really funny. And I just said, actually, it's not funny. I'm actually really sad about this story because this this lady would have been somebody's daughter and maybe somebody's mother or it's some somebody's person that they love and you've raped them, which means you've hurt them and you've chopped their head off, which now means you've murdered them. And, and I could just see him looking dead. He'd look me dead in the eye and he was really thinking about it. He was really surprised at my reaction at yeah. first, but then he started thinking about it. Then this other boy in the class, because of course, by that stage, all the kids crowded around me cool. and the um, another boy said, you know, you're right, Mrs. Hammond. It's not, it's not fun to be, to be raped because my mum was raped in the kitchen when I was sleeping and bang that that changed my life I'm like yeah I don't want to yeah. be a teacher anymore I want to be a, a counsellor that's what I want to be and so not long after that I um, became a stay-at-home mum I had my first child and I said to my husband I'm going to use this time to study and become an accredited mental health social worker while I'm a stay-at-home mum I'll study and that's it I have never looked back but that child changed my life. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Goodness me. I mean, I can see why that was such a powerful moment for you. You know, and I guess working yeah. as, I mean, I, I guess working as a you know music and drama teacher, I guess you've probably been able to use the skills in part from those two disciplines in your, you know, in your mental health work. Absolutely. I just allowed them to express express themselves um, in a different way yeah. um, rather than using words. And they these kids were completely different kids by the end of the year. Yeah. And and I guess seeing, I mean, I guess it must have been shocking seeing so much trauma. Yeah, that that's just something I never came, I guess I just wasn't exposed to it. I lived, you know, I've got an Italian background. Being an Italian female, you're very, very sheltered from yeah. the real world. And um, I just had never seen children behave that way or speak in that yeah. manner. And so it they helped me grow up very fast. I taught them stuff. They taught me stuff, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And then and it's obvious, I guess, how that then led you in into the field. And I wonder for, for our listeners and also for me, because I don't really know much about, you know, critical incident kind of counselling. Could you maybe say a bit around what it is and, just maybe some of your experiences sure. within it. Yeah. Yeah. So firstly, um, when I first became a social worker, I just got into family therapy, working with children, yeah. adolescents. And, and so that that helped me really develop skills. So 15 years later, I ended up falling into a new job and a new field, which was um, specifically on trauma, but working mm. mainly with adults. Mm. Um, so we have here in Australia the... Um, the employee assistant program oh, yeah. so it's for people in the workplace you know if something you know a little bit challenging or upsetting happens in the workplace they can call their the counselor that the the work pays for so that's our eap section but i'm in the critical incident um and trauma team where if something um, happens in the workplace it brings me there so it could be you know if a work colleague passes away or if a customer 
is aggress- aggressive. Mm. Um, or if something happens on the news, for example, and they say councillors are on the scene, that's us. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's when something extremely heightened and traumatic happens um, at that moment, then the critical incident team will come in and counsel witnesses, counsel, you know, whoever um, is feeling traumatised. Yeah, uh, such important work. Goodness me, I mean, such important work. But, I mean, in being a kind of counsellor in those situations must be incredibly difficult for you as well because you're hearing and you're experiencing people in the midst of trauma and that's incredibly yes. difficult, obviously. You need to get used to remembering why you're there and not feeling yeah. the emotion. But you, I, I basically put myself in a bubble. So yeah. as I'm driving to the scene, I know automatically that everybody's going to be extremely heightened. Yeah. In some cases, you might have media around or they've been around. Sure. Um, you know, it's, it's been on the news or, you know, it, it, no matter what the incident is, I know when I'm going to go to that scene, it's going to be heightened. So when I was in yeah. private practice, for example, I was counselling my clients way after the incident occurred. Yeah. Well, this time I'm right there. Yeah. at that moment or soon after that moment so people it's 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 a little bit different in the way you 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 speak with clients yeah. in this situation yeah because you might be talking to them but you know they're not in the moment they're not listening they can see your mouth move and they might be reacting yeah. but they will have no memory of even talking to you yeah. so there's very it's a very different type of practice yeah, because they're in the midst of uh, of the trauma. I mean, could I just ask you, tell me, would it be okay just to ask a bit more about that? You know, in terms of the counselling skills that you, you you use, how does that differ from when you're working longer term with clients? So um, when you're when you go to a scene when a traumatic event has happened, it could be, for example, a child drowning yeah. or uh, a colleague has got in their hand stuck in a machine for example and they've been critically injured and they've been taken to the hospital or you know something to that effect I don't want to get too graphic because yeah. I really don't want to disturb our um, listeners yeah. um, but it, let's just say you know something you wouldn't wouldn't want to happen to anyone yeah. you know um, yeah. so the thing is is even when a person is safe, like they've, they've, they might have had an accident in the workplace, and even though the colleagues know that person is safe because the ambulance now have them and they're on their way to the hospital and they're okay, a lot of people have seen this injury occur. And so now when I present myself to the clients, their brain is actually not attached to their body at that time. Yeah. So their brain is in the past yeah. and it's thinking, yeah. oh, my gosh, so I was doing this and I was doing that and then he did this and then he went into the machine and then I turned the machine on and then this happened and that happened. Yeah. That person is still thinking about that, but also then the brain goes into the future mm-hmm. And starts thinking, was this my fault? What did I do? Hang on, I turned it on, but I told him not to go near the machine first. And yeah. and so they're they're going about they're they're thinking of the past, but they're then in the future, like, am I going to get in trouble now? What does this mean? Am, am I involved? Am I this? Am I that? Or yeah. what if it happens to me? What if it happens to someone else I know? And then their anxiety 
starts to rise. Mm. And we know the fight, flight, freeze mode, flop mode, all that happens. So the trauma response, I'm actually in front of a person who's now experiencing a trauma response. Yeah, absolutely. So it's very different to private practice, for example, because by the time I I would see a client um, in private practice, it might have been a month later or a few weeks later yeah. because it might have been a waiting list or, you know, so they've had time to to maybe calm themselves a little bit. It's it's a li- They're a little bit more distant from the traumatic yeah. event. This time I'm right there in that moment. So I know that when I speak to them, they're not necessarily hearing what I'm saying because their brain's in the past and it's in the future and yeah. the one place they're not yeah. is in the present moment. Yeah. Yeah, but 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 I guess helping them. I mean, even though that they are, you know, they are kind of maybe dissociated or that you know their mind is not in the present. I guess the benefits to them of being able to start yes. processing what's happened in the moment, even though they are very very kind of activated. I mean, going forwards, that that's going to be immensely helpful for them in terms of managing the trauma going forwards. Absolutely, because yeah. it can actually help. It works towards preventing them from getting post-traumatic stress disorder okay interesting yeah pressure for us is is doing a good job right at that moment everything matters so uh i'm going to tell you uh just so you get an idea of where people are at at that time when i first started in trauma in this in this industry one of my very first big jobs was um when i attended a very very distressing incident which involved a child so there were different teams of of um, staff members who were either involved or they vicariously were involved. So they heard about what was going on or they could see um, the ambulance and police turn yeah, up. They could yeah. see what was going on but didn't know why at the time. So that's vicarious. So you were yeah. dealing with vicarious Absolutely. trauma yeah. and also the people who are effectively right in, involved in, in the traumatic event. So this one time I had to go from one team to another to another. So I had to do a psych education session where I was talking about, you know, the trauma responses. I make them aware of the type of things they might experience over the next few hours, the next few days, the next few weeks. But once I do that group session, then I get to speak with them individually. Now, there was this one one client, and this was my first experience of this, is um, I was talking to him and I was given all this amazing information and I was so proud of myself because I knew that information was going to help him and you know I'm like yeah he's he's going to be okay he's now aware he's aware of what you know of what to expect and one of the last things I said to him the very very last things I said is oh and by the way um just to help you sleep tonight um there are certain foods that can promote good sleep so eating a banana actually can help promote having a good sleep yeah okay yeah. so if you look up if you actually look up um, top 10 foods to promote good sleep a banana is the first thing that comes up so we always know bananas to give you energy and yeah. but it also promotes sleep so I just said you know and by the way um, maybe have a banana before bed tonight because it can actually help you go to sleep Anyway, so because he was just so like not yeah, in the moment yeah. and I walked away thinking, yeah, he really got this and I think he's going to be okay. And then uh, his manager 
I went up to him and said, oh, how was the session? He goes, oh, it was all right. She just told me to eat a banana. So that was the only thing he remembered from the yeah. whole time I was with him. Yeah. That was such a valuable lesson for me because I'm like, yeah, you know what? Simplify, say less, mm. and do more of the mindfulness stuff. So then I developed yeah. um, I developed a, a sensory kit. It's got Play-Doh in it. It's got bubbles. It's got, you know, like I've yeah. got it's I'm holding yeah. up some spongy yeah, toys yeah. here where it's sensory. So I then learnt to regulate a person's emotions before I educate. Yeah. So sometimes um, clients want to just talk about so the one thing we don't do as trauma counselors, we don't sit there and say, hey, what happened? What happened? What, and where were you at the time? And what did you do? We never, ever, ever ask yeah. for details. We just sit and wait for them to say what they need to get off their, ch their chest. Yeah. yeah. Okay? So I just say this is a safe place. You know, I basically provide a safe and confidential space for them to be able to offload whatever they want, but I never ask what happened. Yeah. Um, and then that helps me gauge where they're at. So whether I need to um, regulate them first and kind of lower their emotions first yeah. or whether they just want to get everything off their chest and do the yeah. talking part first and yeah. then I might do a grounding activity or a yeah. sensory activity before they leave. So yeah, I've had to learn to read the room. Yeah. You cannot do this if you don't know how to read the room. Yeah, and that's kind of what was on my mind. I mean, I I think about the vastness really of your skill set because you know, from what, what you've said in a critical incident, you can be dealing with many different people. And of course, they all bring their own kind of histories and their own personality types and their own ways of being in the world. But and, and so I guess you're tailoring your and also you know the way they've reacted to the trauma like you say so in the moment you're tailoring your response to multiple people who are all kind of traumatized you know and and I think for our listeners you know yeah I mean just just watching something that's traumatic you know can lead to somebody having PTSD you know I mean that can be traumatizing and you never know what's going to happen so I've been yeah. on scenes for for example customer aggression yeah now that's a COVID thing, but I'm hearing about it more now than I ever have in my life before, yeah. where customers are extremely aggressive to workers. Um, yeah. So, um, and we get a lot of call outs for, for customer aggression. Yeah. And it just so happened, it's happened to me about two or three times now where I'm actually in on a scene and I'm, um, you know, doing the counselling for the staff members who were telling me about this man that came in and he started throwing things around and he didn't get what he wanted at the time and he got quite aggressive. So they'd be telling me that. And just as I was working with the group, the customer came back and I actually got to experience the incident. So I got caught. It's happened about two or three times to yeah. me now. But I'm really grateful for that experience. Like, I don't even feel scared. Like, I don't know if it's just my way of going into a bit of a freeze mode. I'm not sure. Or I'm just so, such in a professional mindset yeah. at that time. I'm seeing it as an educational opportunity. I don't know if that's right or wrong. But yeah. when something like that happens, mean. yeah, yeah, I'm like, wow. So this is what it feels like. Mm. This is what it feels like. My heart's beating so fast. I'm actually starting to shake. And then I have to remember, whoa, stop you're the counsellor, they're all looking at you waiting for some yeah. assistance. So then I just go into, right, okay, everybody, 
um, stand up, let's go in this room. So actually people just follow me, shut the doors, the place goes into lockdown, the managers deal with everything else that's going on in there, but I've got the group. And to me, I just suddenly feel like, okay, these guys are under my care now. So I'm like, so I bring them all in the moment. I'm like, okay, I can see that it's um, the customer is outside of the building now. We're in lockdown. Right here, right now, you're all safe. Right here, right now, he cannot hurt you. Mm. He will not hurt you. Right here, right now, we're all together and everything, everything's okay. So I ask the group first to um, sit in a very tight circle, like they put their chairs in a circle and their knees are touching. Um, and, of course, again, you have to read the room with that. Yeah. But you give them the option. If you don't want to be part of this, please do what you need to do to to um, feel safe and comfortable. If you yeah. need to be somewhere else, please do that. And if you want to be part of this, let's sit in a circle. So we create a closed circle and we just don't talk. We don't talk. Just like, just let's take a bit of a breather and, and take them through some yeah. um, diaphragm breathing. And um, I said, if you want to hold hands, you can hold hands if you just want to sit here, but just let's just breathe together. And we breathe through it because the noise, like the the biggest thing that that really taught me about the stresses of an aggressive customer, it's the actual noise that they create because Mm. they're banging things, they're kicking on the doors. I actually felt like the building was going to collapse at one stage. Yeah. So it's not... um, so you've really got to say the right thing as well at the, right at that moment. Yeah. And it can be a bit of pressure when you're first getting used to this type of industry, but after a while you, you, you get the hang of it. Yeah. But everything you say and do really matters because remember, they're all in a very heightened state. Yeah. If you say one wrong thing, well, you'll get complaints, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so you'll get complaints later because they're already heightened. Yeah. So they'll be responding to everything you do and yeah. everything you say. Yeah. They may not be the way they normally would be, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, and I, I'm going to maybe move on now and talk about some of your other projects. But, I mean, just before we kind of leave this, I mean, your ability to self-regulate in the moment, I mean, goodness me, I mean, you must be able to do that really well. You have to do that, don't you? At the moment, so if my manager was sitting with me right now, <laughs> Yeah. He'd be like, yeah, so in control in the moment. Yeah. But I will fall to pieces later. And I think that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think agree. it's okay because you need to get it out. Yeah. So sometimes it affects me more than sometimes I'm not bothered at all. And I don't yeah. think that's natural. I'm I'm like, shouldn't I be bothered by this? Why isn't it bothering me? Like, why am I not affected? Yeah. And I think sometimes I can separate myself and just see it as this sure. is my job. I'm in the yeah. bubble. The bubble was really thick and was very strong at the time. Yeah. And other times it might penetrate a little bit deeper in than I want it to. Um, so then I've got, I'm really in control at the time, but later on I might have a bit of a cry. Yeah. And that's, I think. Healthy. Yeah. 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 I, I, I totally agree. Yeah. And I guess you, you have supervision, you talk about, you know, what, what's happening. Yes. And that, that's a, you know, an important space, I think for, for all of us. I mean, we're, I'm going to segue a little bit into the, you'll, you'll film the target. Because that, that deals, and correct me if I'm, but that deals with workplace bullying. So I guess it's it's quite a good segue from where we are to to in that. I mean, I'm really interested to hear more about that. 
Okay. So um, the target came across, uh, see, I like to use real life stories. So I've, I've been a performing artist since, since the age of five. I'm an extremely active person. I do all sorts of things. I, I do music, I do acting, I do yeah. piano playing, just anything with performing arts, I want to do it, yeah. right? <laughs> so, I, but, I, but I really, really adore my, my, my mental health work and I don't want to give anything up. So I'm like, how cool would it be to combine everything together? Yeah. So years ago, years ago, I was bullied, severely bullied in the workplace because I was a really, really hard worker. And people don't like hard workers because it tends to rub people up the wrong way um, in the sense of because the manager at the time um, was um, complimenting me with my work in front of everybody and other people were getting a bit upset about that. So I became a target. That's why it's called the target. Oh, interesting. And I, yeah. I actually, as terrible and horrific as that bullying was at the time, I really appreciate the experience yeah. looking back. I'm okay. I got through it okay, even though at the time I was falling to pieces. But I remember thinking, wow, so this is what it feels like. So I know now not to say, oh, don't worry about the bullies. Just move on. Just leave them. Just don't worry. Just walk away. Yeah. It's not that easy. And I'm so glad I got to understand that. So for my own closure, I decided to write a script about it just to get my a little bit of my story out. Yeah. And through that, when I was telling people about, hey, I'm writing, I'm going to write a movie about bullying, people started telling me about their bully stories. And I'm like, hey, can I use that story? And of course, I would change it a little bit. But before I knew it, I had 125 cast and crew members, all volunteers. Wow who wanted to be part of this project. Mm -hmm. And they were all telling me a bit of their story, a bit of this and a bit of that. And I got to integrate these stories. Like I got to make some of it up, but most of it mm -hmm. are true stories. It's all true stories. And I've made a movie about it. Um, and it was extremely therapeutic for every single person who participated in it because it was our way of, to, like um, getting our stories out and educating yeah. others yeah. on what bullying is, how it affects people. So it turned into this huge, huge community project and the council ended up funding us. Oh, um, fantastic. So yeah. they gave us, and, and, you know, when I say funded, it's not like Hollywood, you know, mm. there's still volunteer actors and some people have never acted before. So it's not a Hollywood movie, but the the story was so rich it ended up being on amazon prime worldwide yeah. and i'm not even i think it might still be on there because they put it on and off it just keeps going back mm. on there mm. um so that's how that that happened yeah and i was going to ask you how how, how our listeners can watch the film so, so i mean amazon prime is one i mean if they want to kind of amazon watch the film, how, how yeah, else and, um, it was on um, some YouTube um, streaming, but I do um, have DVDs as well. But I think Amazon okay. Prime is the best way. But I guess if people would like a copy of the DVD, um, they can just uh, find me on LinkedIn, Giovanna Hammond, and they can just inbox me or I'm on Facebook if they go on Locked In Productions. Um, they can inbox me there and say, hey, I'd like a copy of your movie and 
I'll make arrangements. Yeah, so, and great. And, yeah. And, and we'll we'll put all of your, you know, contact details and all of your links onto our social media sites, you know, after the show. I mean, I just wanted to pick up I and mean, the workplace bullying is something that that I've worked with a lot. I mean, I worked, you know, in a pre well, many years ago, really. I mean, I worked in an organization, I won't say the name of the organization, but and I was a kind of harassment advisor. So I, you know, I was a person that would counsel people that were bullied in the workplace. And and often, you know, I think. You know, and this is maybe a bit of a generalisation, but organisations and I think individuals that are bullied can tend to minimise those experiences. You know, and often I think it's trauma. I mean, work. I mean, bullying yeah. across the board. You know, I think is can be incredibly traumatic. Whether that and it can happen anywhere. It can happen at school. It can happen in the workplace. But I don't know. People in the workplace that are bullied consistently, it's. Yeah. The, the, the I don't know the effect on their mental health, their self confidence. You know, people can have nervous breakdowns. People can be led into depression. It is enormously yeah. important. So the film, I think, is really much needed because it's not always talked about, is it? Workplace bullying. And Mark, I will send you a copy of of the movie. Yeah. Um, and it it it's also about. It's literally it covers many different types of bullying. It's yeah. not just workplace. It's it's um how different types of bullying affects different people of different ages. Oh, yeah, interesting. So we've got yeah. you know schoolyard bullying with so base effectively it's about a, a um a lady who her husband um she's at her husband's funeral and I'm not going to give away too much she's at a funeral and she's talking about bullying um and as the people in who are in the church as they're listening to her the camera goes to all different random people and it scrolls right to their face yeah and then they're having a flashback on how they're getting bullied so it turns out that most of the people in that church are actually currently getting bullied and it's showing different types of bullying but it also teaches what to do when you're getting bullied yeah okay so there are scenes in there to teach how how to handle it so the basic fundamentals, you write who, what, where, how, how it's affecting you, and you report it. Organisations, look, many organisations do not know how to handle bullying, but I do think no. they're getting better as they are getting better yeah. at it. Um, yeah. And I, know, I don't know about in the UK, but here in Australia, um, there are laws now where CEOs of organisations can go to prison for 10 years if if their organisation does not d- handle bullying effectively oh, and properly that's, that's really good it's yeah. called Brody's law so Brody Brody was a young lady who um died via suicide um yeah. due to being bullied and now there's Brody's law people can google it it's an amazing law um but yeah I think workplaces still need to get a little bit better at dealing with it because I find that when you know say for example if two people are getting bullied um they'll off the the they'll offer the the survivor of um bullying they'll ask how about we move you to another team yeah and i think hang on a minute no 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 you should be educating the perpetrator that hey if you don't stop the bullying here's what you're doing here's how it's affecting other people mm-hmm. this is not okay in our organization and if that doesn't stop you're going to be moved yeah agree because why does yeah. the survivor or the victim of bullying why should they be the one to have to move yeah Yeah. it should be their choice at least be a choice would you like to move or do you want to stay here but then they need to be dealing so I don't know it just feels like sometimes um employers 
a little bit apprehensive. They don't really know how to deal with it. And I don't blame them because it's not an easy thing. No. You know, to, but hey, it's it's very traumatic. And I remember my confidence, I'm a very confident person, and I was getting withdrawn and yeah. I was crying yeah. on my way to work. Yeah. I was crying on the way back from work. My confidence was getting stripped. And it happens so slowly that you don't realize. Yeah until you hit your ground, your bottom yeah. level. Yeah, I mean, absolutely agree. You know, I mean, workplace bullying, is maybe we, we don't have a law like that here, and I think we really, really need one. You know, and it, it often can be, you know, it can be a drip feed. And, and I think with workplace bullying, sometimes it can be really overt. Sometimes it's yeah. not. Sometimes it's maybe just you know, social isolation, you know, maybe maybe someone being excluded. Yeah. And that on the surface doesn't sound so bad, but, you know, but having to go into a toxic environment and be socially excluded from the group. I mean, this is just one aspect of bullying. So traumatic. I mean, I'm we, we kind of I'm so conscious of the time. Goodness me, I'm trying to get through all of the things that you do. Let's move on. I really want to hear about the travel counselor because this is something else that you know that is, that yes. is an ongoing project. I mean, could you tell our listeners a bit more about that? Yes. Now, this is a bittersweet um thing for me at the moment, and you'll understand why very soon. Now Prior to being a trauma counsellor to what I'm doing now, I was in private practice for seven years. Yeah. But I was a, I didn't want to practice in an office. I wanted to get to the people who couldn't make their way to it. Yeah, great. For whatever reason. Yeah. So I was actually counselling in their homes. So I would visit schools. I would visit homes. Wherever that it was easy for them, for me to get to, I would I would go to them, okay? Um. So I thought, wow, you know what? What about if there's people at home who who just are scared of counselling? How can I reach them? How can I tell them that, hey, counselling is so cool because it's really just a conversation and it can actually unclog you. It can just make just someone to talk to about things and you don't have to, you don't really have to be careful the way you word things. You don't have to worry about offending. You can just offload, right? But I'm like, how can I get to those people? So, again, I thought, wow, why don't I do a TV show about this? So, again, I got my volunteers. Hey, guys, I want to do a show called The Travel Counselor. And basically it was based on the work that I do. It was a counselor who goes to people's homes and does counselling sessions and covers many, many, many different projects. Yeah. And the actors, I started getting inundated by messages saying, I want to be on your show. I've got a story. You know, when I was little, this happened to me, blah, 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 blah. And everyone would just start sharing their stories. And I'm like, okay, guys, um, yes, you can definitely be on the show. You can definitely act in it a thousand percent. Yeah. I'm just a little bit worried about the ethical thing about using somebody's real story. They're like, no, 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 I really want to share my story. And I'm like, I just don't know. Like, is this ethical? Like I started wo really worrying about like, yeah. am I taking advantage of people's stories? Like, is this ethical? This I, I don't know. How do I do this? So then what I did is I thought, all right, how about, because the actors started getting so um, passionate about it. They're like, one one man in particular, he said, he goes, listen, G, I'm 50 years old. I think I know by now if I want to, you know, share my story to the world or not. So I want to do this. 
and I didn't care about your ethics, but I want to do it for me. And I'm like, yeah. why do you want to do it so much like that? And he said, because by sharing my story, I know that I'm going to help other people in my situation. And I'm like, sure. bang, yes, that's exactly what this is about. Yeah. But I made the agreement with every actor who wanted to share their real stories under the proviso that I get to change some details of the story. Sure. So by changing it, it made me feel a little bit better about it because I'm like, okay, so, so some is fictional, but it's real enough for them to feel this satisfaction that they're helping others. So in the very last, just before COVID, just before COVID, I, um, I said to my DOP, he's my director of photographer. So for the people who don't know what that is, it's the person who actually has the camera and actually films um, and films the program. His name was Steve. I said, hey, Steve, um, I've got this idea, but I really want you to do some acting. He goes, me? Gee, I can't act. No, I'm, I'm the video guy. I said, no, no, I can really see you play this part of a farmer because he had this big bushy beard that I yeah. loathe. Like I couldn't. <laughs> Tell him enough how much I hated this big beard, but it actually inspired a storyline based yeah. on this beard. Yeah. And it was about a man with depression who was thinking about ending his life by hanging himself. And, and um, he agreed to actually do this. He said, all right, I'll do it as a challenge. You know, and I found another video, um, a, a guide to film it. And it was improvisation. So I, I made it, you know, it wasn't hard. And he, Turned out he really enjoyed doing it, right? Anyway, so um, that was the last one before COVID. Now, during COVID, I rang him up just to see how he was going. And he said to me, hey, you know that scene where, you know, my character was holding that rope and contemplating ending life? And he kind of expressed to me the personal feelings he had around that scene. Yeah. Okay. And it was something I wasn't aware of. And he was really reflective about it, like very reflective. And, it, and he said, you know, you're really saving lives, G. You're really saving lives because, you know, I have, I have had these thoughts before of ending life. He goes, but I'd never do it. I'd never, ever do it. But, you know, the thoughts have been there. Yeah. And so we had this really big open discussion about it. And... Um, unfortunately, because COVID in Victoria dragged on for so long with yeah. the lockdowns, we had yeah. six lockdowns and he was on his own for such a long time. Unfortunately, he ended his life, not by the way his character did. So because I'm, I'm just sharing this story because I want to teach people that staying connected to others <clears throat> is actually really important yeah. and so when I do these when I did the travel counselor it wasn't just about sharing stories it wasn't just about acting it wasn't just mm -hmm. about all that it was also about connectiveness and yeah. people having um, the same idea to help others yeah. we had so much fun on sets we did so much good stuff we felt like we had a purpose and yeah. we're doing all this amazing stuff and when the when all that connection stopped, people became mentally unwell. Yeah, absolutely. So I have not done another segment since because I just haven't, I just haven't had that will to do it because he's no longer with us. Yeah. Um, so I'm slowly getting my feet back 
back into it by doing documentaries on on mental health yeah. um getting back into it so i'm hoping eventually i may get back into doing that tv show because we were starting to get fan mail as well yeah. and people were starting to just audiences were starting to write to me and saying wow you know that session you did on anxiety i never understood why i was feeling these feelings and now mm-hmm. i get it now i get it because yeah. the show was about sharing um strategies it wasn't just about stories it was a counselor yeah it was effectively a real counseling session yeah. Yeah. so people would like to watch that that is on my youtube channel locked in productions if you just scroll down you'll see many 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 different stories and uh, it covers so many um stories it covers many many mental health um yeah. topics yeah and wow such a fantastic project I guess people see, I mean, there's so many different layers, you know, to it, but I guess people seeing, a, you know, a kind of counselling session and that demystifying that, you know, and also people's experiences, sharing anxiety and so helpful, such important work, you know, and yeah. the films also, you know, kind of, you know, allowing people to, you know, to really kind of connect with what goes on in the workplace, bullying. I, we're almost out of time. It's gone so quickly. I always finish yeah. the show by asking, you know, my guests, their favourite kind of go-to coping strategies for sustaining good mental health. Um, what, 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 what would you say? What do, what do you do? Um, hobbies. Hobbies. Yeah. Without hobbies, I don't know what I would do, where I would be. Um, that's why lockdown was so hard because a lot of the hobbies had to stop. Yeah. However, as you can see, Mark, but I know the listeners can't see, I've got a grand piano behind me. I've, this house is full of um, instruments, um, you know, so hobbies engage yourself in a good yeah. work life balance situation if you don't have a hobby please 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 research go get yourself one because it really does connect you with like-minded people yeah and you just you just feel so happy because you're doing something that's other than work and there's no life stresses in it it's all about fun and it's playtime and it, we as adults need playtime so yeah. i play a lot yeah <laughs> so well, that, I mean, there you go that's yeah. what i do fantastic and i just want to say giovanna goodness me we've covered so much you know i feel that we could probably talk for another and another hour but thank you so much for coming on the show this can be a great show for our listeners and as i say you know for our listeners if you want to kind of pick up you know anything that you know any of the projects that giovanna has talked about today check out our social media sites and we'll have all of our links on social media so i just want to say thank you again giovanna for coming on the show that was amazing and thank you for having me see ya Yeah, I'd like again to say a really big thank you to Giovanna for coming on and um, talking about, you know, all of the, you know, different kind of projects and, you know, her experience as a critical incident uh, counsellor. Um, I, I mean, I really didn't know much about kind of critical incident counselling before the show, so it was really fascinating to, you know, hear a lot more about it. Uh, I think I said on the show, you know, and, and also kind of, you know, very conscious now of, you know, the skill set, I think, that, you know, that Giovanna, you know, brings to the table in terms of, you know, working with critical incident, you know, and kind of tailoring, you know, her approach in the moment, you know, to people who, you know, have, you know, experienced trauma. I mean, goodness me, I mean, that is, you know, very, very complex work. Um, I mean, I really also enjoyed, you know, talking about, you know, her film Target, Um and also, you know, the um, the travelling counsellor. I mean, both projects, I thought, sounded really, really excellent. Um, and, you know, getting the, you know, getting more information out around, 
mental health, I think, is always a good thing. I mean, in terms of the target, workplace bullying is, you know, an area that I've worked a lot in. Um, and, you know, the effects of workplace bullying can be devastating to people. Um, and she talked about, um, I think it was Bryony's Law, which has been introduced in Australia, which I think is fantastic. You know, really putting the focus on CEOs to deal with bullying in their workplaces, you know, or paying, you know, an enormous penalty. Um, and I think that is fantastic because, you know, it can absolutely destroy people's lives. Bullying, you know, can happen in multiple domains, you know, and um, and it often, I think, is, you know, is traumatising for the individuals concerned. You know, when she talks about workplace bullying being a drip feed, I mean, sometimes that is true. You know, I mean, it, it, workplace bullying takes lots and lots of different forms. You know, sometimes it's overt, sometimes it's not. Well, social isolation is something that, you know, that I kind of work with quite a lot in workplace bullying, you know, being kind of excluded from the group. And and, and that can be devastating. You know, I mean, it's, you know, it, it's, it brings up all sorts of kind of primal feelings, you know, in us as human beings. And obviously the overt bullying as well, you know, is, is, is terrible for people. You know, and having to go to work, you know, in what has been created as a toxic environment, I mean, understandably, has massive effects on people's mental health. And then also kind of moving into the, the travelling counsellor and, you know, so interesting and so important as a promotion for mental health and the kind of demystifying, you know, and maybe destigmatizing um show in terms of therapy, you know, what it is, what it does, what it can work with. I mean, there's so many layers, I think, of, of benefit for people on, you know, watching and also taking part, you know, in in, in the show, The Travelling Counsellor, because I think lots of the issues, I mean, she she mentioned, Giovanna mentioned one episode talking about um, anxiety. I mean, lots and lots of people suffer from anxiety and, you know, watching, I think, a show like that, you know, so a counsellor and uh, somebody talking about, you know, their own experiences with anxiety can normalise it, I think you know, and, and open up, you know, more conversations around mental health, which I think is always a good thing. Um, I mean, I hope our listeners will agree. I think it was a really, really fantastic show. You know, again, you know, as with as we, with many of our guests, I was hard pushed really in 40 minutes to cover, you know, everything that Giovanna brings to the table. Uh, if you want to check out any of Giovanna's um, projects, then please check out uh, social media sites where we'll have um, all of the links um, to all of the projects um, and again thank you thank you for listening um, we're going to have another episode really soon um, going to be intru- introducing um, Michael Darby who's going to be talking also about kind of crit- critical incident trauma counselling but also about shame which, um, which is a big subject and should be a very very interesting show so st- stay tuned for that one Uh, And as always, thank you for listening. Look after yourselves, look after the planet, and uh, I'll see you all on the next episode. If you or anyone you know has been affected by the topics discussed in today's episode, please speak to someone, whether it's a professional, an associate, a friend, a colleague, or a family member. Remember, you're not alone, and to take care of yourself.